Jesus lives. Job was going through a rough time, and I think that was his encouragement, is to know that his Redeemer liveth. Praise the Lord for that. Well, Happy New Year, and it's good to see you all today. How many of you stayed up till 12.01 at least? Oh boy, that's not good. That is not good for me. And I had several texts this morning saying, how long are you going to be, Brother Ramus? And I said, well, we're going to bring in the New Year with a blast. We're going two hours. So just fasten your seatbelt. Now, we won't do that to you because some of you are asleep in the song service. That's not a good omen for what is to come. Well, take your Bibles and turn to the book of 2 Timothy, Paul's second letter to Timothy. And I'm going to be pretty simple in my title. I'm going to call it A New Beginning, kind of fitting for January 1st. So Happy New Year to all of you. And I trust, as Josh mentioned, you have some goals and some things in mind to better prepare yourself and to serve the Lord, but a new beginning. There was a a man, he was from the backwoods, back mountains of Tennessee, sorry Bill, Uh, but he had really just kind of lived out in the woods and one day he just found himself, took his family into the city for the first time and he went into one of those large buildings that had an elevator. He was standing there outside the elevator, he was watching and he saw this elderly haggard-looking woman go into the elevator slowly, shut the door, and he's just watching. He'd never seen this before. And I saw the buttons and the, and the noises going off. And then about a minute later, the elevator opens, and out comes this unbelievably beautiful young lady. And he's lucky. He says, son, go get your mother. <laughs> Change. <laughs> There's a doctor talking to a patient, and he says, Sir, you're in horrible shape. Um, Physically, you're just not well, and you've got to do something about it. He said, first, tell your wife to cook more nutritious meals. You need to stop working like a dog. Maybe she can take more of the responsibility and burden at home. Inform her you're going to make a budget, and she has to stick to it. Have her keep the kids off your back. She's just going to have to do a lot more for you if you're going to live on. Unless there are changes in your life, you'll probably be dead in about a month. Doctor, this would sound way more official coming from you. Could you please call my wife and give her those instructions? When the fellow got home, his wife rushed to him. I talked to your doctor. She said, poor man, you've only got 30 days to live. (laughs) You'll get that a little bit later on. Well, I'm privileged to, to preach the first sermon at Fairhaven Baptist Church in 2023 and I trust uh, this can be a blessing to you. I'm going to ask you to try to stay alert. Uh, To me, it's a little warm in here, so it's going to be comfortable, but if you could stay alert, that would be a blessing. But if you pray with me this morning and pray for me, uh, that God will use this in our hearts. Lord, I need you today. I thank you for our church. I thank you for so many people that have, over the years, invested into my life and uh, just tried to encourage me and pray for me and love me and help me over the years. As I consider going into this year, Lord, I I want to do more to give back, number one, for you, more to give back to our church, and more to those that we're able to minister to, God. We look forward to these times, these new beginnings, if you will, and I pray that this be a great year. I I don't know the needs that people have. Lord, maybe 2022 for some was terrible, it was horrible. Uh, Maybe the last couple years, some in this room today have gotten away from you. And I pray that through the scriptures today, you would encourage us, you'd help us. 
and help me to relay this as you've encouraged me. So use this in our hearts. I ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Second Timothy is probably the last writing of the Apostle Paul before his head is going to be taken from his shoulders as Nero, or as tradition tells us, the emperor did to him. So he writes this letter to what we know of him to, to call his son Timothy in faith. Now, let me ask you today, I already talked to Brian, I told him I would, uh, I would embarrass him just a little bit, so Brian, there's your embarrassment. But how many in this room would consider themselves a gamer? And what I mean by that is in our technology, video game world, you say, that's me, I'm a gamer. Go ahead and raise your hands. Don't lie, because most teenagers are in that world, all right? So we've, we've got a few. Nobody's wanting me to call them down and have an altar call right now. But, but just, uh, I, I'm not a gamer, but I'm, when I go and visit sometimes in people's homes, I'm kind of awed by what is on the screens. I, I, I think sometimes it's an actual real game. I've, I've walked into the house, and I think they're watching a professional or a college basketball game, and I sit there thinking, who's winning? And then you see two kids with remotes. You're thinking, this is, this is interesting. And you see how people can spend boatloads of time playing video games. My world? Super Nintendo. Now, 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 help me out. I know I'm dating myself. All right, all right. So, Brother Wilcox, all right. Brother O, all right. Masters of Pat. Wow, I didn't know I was that old. Um, but it was pretty simple. You had a little tiny gray, you know, piece and A, B and a little couple arrows and it was good. Now they have, you know, you wrap yourself in armor and you've got buttons everywhere and so forth. But it was pretty simple. I, yeah, Super Mario Brothers, you know, that was my world. And then Duck Hunt. Oh yeah, alright, that's like the only amen we're gonna to get today, but, uh, but I remember wanting to literally walk, go through the screen and kill that stupid dog, because I'd shoot the ducks and I'd mess and the dog would raise up. <laughs> that's my world. And then Space Invaders. Yeah, oh yeah, Space Invaders and, and so Pac-Man. Um, but here's the nice thing about video games back in that world. It was pretty easy if you kinda of got off to a bad start. You just push reset. All is well. Life is good. Because you can just push that reset button and start all over again. But here's the problem. Many people have taken that mindset for life. Well, I got off to a bad start in my finances. I got off to a bad start in my family. I got off to a bad start in my marriage. I got off to a bad start taking substances. And we can go down the list. But here's the problem. Life, you can't reset. You can't restart. You can't just push a button and say, oops, that was a boo-boo. That was a mistake. Let me reset. You can't do that. And that's why I say it simply today as we begin. Life is not a game. Life is not a game. And that's why sometimes young people, you might get upset and say, why do they got to be so tense? And why do they got to be so harsh? Be- because we're understanding, we've come to realize, life is not a game. You can play it, but you can't push the reset button. In short, people don't plan to be pedophiles. But they start playing games. People don't, don't, I don't think start out to say, I just want to be hammered with drugs. I don't think that's how it starts, but somebody encourages them to take this or that, and they start on the path. You know what I'm talking about. 
And maybe you're here this morning like, man, I didn't realize how far away from God I've become. It was just a little bit of skipping my Bible reading here, or skipping out on church here, or, or just kind of pushing away from the things of the Lord. And now you look at 2022 or 2021, you say, man, I need a new beginning. Because in short, there are consequences for poor churches out there. Poor consequences for sin. And, and while you can make changes in your life, and I'm so thankful that God is merciful, aren't you, today? I'm so thankful that God is forgiving. Amen. You still have to deal with the consequences for your sin. One of my favorite, if not my favorite characters in the scriptures is the Apostle Paul. He started out as a man that really had a good foundation. He no doubt grew up in Jerusalem. He was what people have termed him as a Pharisee of Pharisees. Religious, But the problem is he had this great foundation without the most important piece of the foundation, the true foundation, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think most of us are familiar with this testimony. You can read it in the book of Acts. He was on his way to persecute the Christians, to put them into prison. And on the road to Damascus, he meets the Lord. Praise the Lord that the Lord still continues to work on our hearts when we're on our own path. But on that path, he met the Lord and his whole purpose... And his whole person changed that day. Many people remember him for his persecution of believers, but I think as you read his letters, you'll find he was a man that had passion for believers. Something changed. Now let me say this, the only change that truly is going to make a difference is if you know the Lord Jesus Christ as you saved. Some of you this year are going to say, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to buckle down. I'm going to be, I'm going to determine to be a better dad, a better husband, a better parent, a better Christian, a better teenager, a better this. And you're going to do it without the Lord. And while you might, might succeed for a time, the only true and real change is going to come when the Lord Jesus Christ enters your life. There was a man in, Mark chapter 5, don't turn there, but he was possessed by the devil, the Bible says. And people, no doubt, tried to avoid him. They went so far as to try to chain him, to control him. But the Bible says when he met Jesus, he fell down and worshipped him. And the Bible says his life was not chained anymore. His life was changed. Amen for that. And the only way you're going to truly change is to meet the Lord Jesus Christ. So we come to... Paul's letter to Timothy, his son in the faith. Now, Paul was known for writing his letters. If you believe Paul wrote the book of Hebrews, 14 books of our New Testament were written by the Apostle Paul. When you read them, you'll see some things that are hard to be understood, as Peter says. <laughs> I read Romans sometimes, and I get a little bit confused. And you get into some of the other letters, probably like some of you are like, Man, what is he saying there? But he's giving him encouragement, he's giving him doctrine, he's giving him encouragement to do things. But it seems as you read his letters, especially when you get to the end, it's just packed with names of people. Paul was a man who loved working with people. I like learning names. I like to go through and try to find out everybody's name in a a camp or in a vacation Bible school. I think it's important for us to learn the names of people. Candy cell. You see, when you go candy cell, and you that have done that before, many of you, you go to that place, cold turkey. And it's kind of awkward because you don't know the people there. When you've been there for the 14th time, you have that comfort zone. You might even know the name of the individual. And uh, my parents didn't really take candy selling very much. We won't go there. But I remember going into places trying to make that connection, specifically those auto mechanic shops. And I would walk in and I would 
casually looked down at the over the heart name tag that was there. And I'd say, oh, James, it's been such a long time since I've seen you. Man, they're looking at me like, I have no idea who you are. But that made a good connection for me, hopefully, to sell a box of candy. There's something about names. But there's also times when it's not fun to be called your name. Uh, several years ago, I think I was 16 or 17 years old, I was sitting right over there where Brother Krigo or Brother Hughes was sitting. And from this pulpit, I heard my name called. It wasn't Eric, wake up. It wasn't Eric, it's just a godly individual. It was basically something like this. Uh, Eric stayed up and there were a couple other names we won't mention to protect the innocent. And basically, in front of the crowd, it was told, Eric is a jerk. Well, that's encouraging. <laughs> Love you too. Uh, those are times you don't like our names to be called. But in 2 Timothy, we're going to real fast just go through all the names that we see. And we're going to look at two or three men today in the time that we have. And I won't be two hours, Brother Lee, I promise you. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Are you there? Verse number 2, the Bible says, To Timothy, my dearly beloved son. So Paul is writing directly to this Young man, no doubt, a man that, uh, young man that he had led to the Lord. Verse number five of chapter one. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dealt, dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice. So he's talking to Timothy and he's revealing, uh, relaying to him the importance of his grandmother and his mother. Chapter one, verse number 15. This thou knowest that all they which are in Asia be turned away from me, of whom are, I'm going to murder these names probably, but we'll just go ahead and try it, Fidelis and Hermogenes. So he's listing out in this letter to his son in the faith, there are two guys that had made a difference in my life, not for good. And he lists them. Chapter 1, verses 16. The Lord give mercy unto the house of Onesiphorus. So while we've got Hermogenes and Phygelus that have been a detriment, we find a man, Onesiphorus, it says, he oft refreshed me. So Timothy's being told about Onesiphorus. Then we go to chapter 2. Chapter 2, verses 16 and 18. But shun or avoid profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness, and their word will eat as doth a canker, of whom is, here's two more names, Hymenaeus and Philetus. So he's saying what they said was probably in a scoffing, in a uh, refusing way. Chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, he mentions two men by the name of Janus and Jeffries. Now, I kind of read there's some differences there. It could be that these were men in Egypt that were the magicians. Some have suggested that these actually were Israelites because when Moses would come, there was some confrontation, some conflict between even Moses and the leaders of Israel. So, But he mentions Janus and Jambres. Chapter 4, verse number 12. And Tychicus is another name. Verse 13. The cloak that I left at Troas, he's talking to Timothy, with Carpus, so here's another fellow worker. Chapter 4, verse 14, Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. Chapter 4, verse 19, salute Prisca and Aquila and the household of Anesiphorus. There it is again, chapter 4, verse 20. Erastus abode at Corinth, but Trophimus have I left at Miletum sick. And then verse 21, he goes on to say, do thy diligence to come before winter. Eubulus greeteth thee, Putin's. Linus and Claudia and all the brethren. So there are a heap of names and really just a short blurb about these individuals. So let's bring it to 
2023 Fairhaven Baptist Church or the church that you're from for you that are visiting. Let's say your pastor was able to write a letter. He inserted your name. Rachel, dot, dot, dot. Katie, dot, dot, dot. Darnell, dot, dot, dot. Brother Kriegel, dot, dot, dot. Rosa, dot, dot, dot. See, I'm waking everybody up. Those that I'm, no, I'm just joking. Would he say that you have been a hurt to the ministry or a help to the ministry? Would he give you a word of praise or would he say you are an absolute pest? Would he say you're a blessing to me or would he say you actually have caused a bruising in our church? Would he say that you are spiritual or would he say that you are carnal? Would he say that you are a giver or would he say that you're a taker? You just have one sentence about you. What would it have been? I've been pondering this for some time because as I consider going into 2023 and as a pastor, if he were to pen a letter and it were to be read in other churches, he would say, Eric Ramos, dot, dot, dot. I hope it would be. He was a blessing in 2023. So let's look at chapter 4, verses 9 through 11. This is our text. Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. So he's wanting some encouragement. Verse 10. For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, Cretans to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Verse 11. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me. For the ministry. There's five men mentioned here. We're going to skip over Titus and Cretans. And we're going to look briefly. And here's my question. Which of the three will you be in 2023? Demas? Luke? Or Mark? We kind of get a glimpse into what I would say the human side of Paul. Just for a little bit. He seems to be lonely. If you look at verse number 11. Only Luke is with me. He's been known as he writes his letters to just list all kinds of names, as we already mentioned. But now we kind of get a glimpse of the human side as he he just has Luke to be there by his side. And and, and may I say this, there's always uh, something special about receiving a letter. We got some super nice uh, Christmas cards this year and some some letters, and those are encouraging to get. I really like when those letters and, 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 and those cards involve some extras in there. We really like to get those gift cards and special things. But, but the older I get, the more I appreciate the fact of, of people physically encouraging your heart. I, I just love to be around people. One of my favorite things as I travel is to go and see people that grew up here that are serving the Lord elsewhere, to see people that came here to college and they're just out serving the Lord. There's just that connection because people can be a great source of encouragement. Are you an encouragement? John says it this way in his letter. For I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. He says this, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Some of you, 
your parent, your, your kids are elsewhere. And I was thinking of Tom. I saw him on, on uh, Friday night and see Andy. And you see these guys and they grew up here and I get to go to their churches sometimes. And you see those guys as crazy as they are. I will say this about it. They just love the Lord. You know what that does? That encourages our hearts when we see people that just have been invested in just serving the Lord. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Let me digress just for a moment. Proverbs, the writer of Proverbs says this, Solomon, he says, A wise son maketh a glad father, but a foolish son is the heaviness of his mother. I read this verse often, not because my number one goal is to please my parents, but I tell you what, when you, when you live a wise life, when you live a good life, there's something that brings joy to mom and dad that you just can't explain. And now I've got a 20-year-old and a 17-year-old and a 14-year-old and an 11-year-old. And I tell you what, when they're living for Jesus, <laughs> I'm on cloud 29. But when they're modeling through life and they're struggling, you know what it does? It just makes you heavy-hearted. Can I say, it's in your court, young people. You can make or break your parents' heart. Let 2023 be a new beginning where you say, it's time for me to step up. I want to encourage the heart of my parents. I want to encourage the heart of my teachers. I want to encourage the heart of my church. Amen. So Demas... The forsaker. We don't know a whole lot about him, to be honest, except I think in three or four other letters, Paul mentions his name as he is one of my fellow workers. Uh, here's a man that was privileged, I think honored, to work with for the Apostle Paul. What a blessing. I step back and I think, wow, I've been blessed to be here for 46 plus years. I'm getting old. And I've been blessed to work in our church on staff for 25 years. Hard to believe a quarter of a century. I'm getting younger, I think. But the privilege to work in full-time ministry is, is an amazing, it's a wonderful thing. And here's Demas that was privileged to be called on by the Apostle Paul and say, hey, could you join me? It seems to show that he had some maturity in his life or Paul probably would not have called on him. But now he's guilty of, as the text says, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. You think that wounded the heart of Paul? I think so. Now we have in our world today, uh, in sports, some of you that follow sports, we call it the coaching carousel. Right, the, the, the college world. And you get the 16-year-old that's a good athlete. And what happens? These recruiters come in and they, they kind of wine and dine this young person and say, hey, come to such and such college. Man, we've got the perfect place for you. We're going to give you scholarships. And that kid might be wooed there. He might be recruited to go there. And he's there for a year and has a decent season. And what happens to that coach? Another college kind of gets his attention and he looks and maybe he gets more pay. And what does he do? He goes on and he leaves that athlete kind of where the athlete probably thinks, well, that guy lied to me. He, he kind of promoted this college and now he's elsewhere promote. And to me, in a sense, it's kind of wrong. And okay, we might say that's wrong. We, we understand the coaching world, the sports world. But can I say how much more tragic is it when a child of God walks out on their heavenly father? 
That's a tragic thing. And, and there, there's some of you here, and maybe you can think back of last year, 2022, where we've had some Demases that they, they were part of our bus ministry, or maybe they were part of this church, and they just, what they did is they said, we're going to forsake the, the Lord, we're going we're gonna to forsake God, we're going to forsake the law of God, and, and they wander off to far off Thessalonicus. I don't think Demas was a monster. I think he was just like us. I just read about that, I think, 28-year-old that murdered those four students out in Idaho. And, and those that have been investigating say the gruesome scene. That's a monster. That's sickening. But here's Demas, kind of like us. And like maybe in the last 50 plus years of people coming here, they've kind of paved the trail of... You know what, I, I, I know religion and I, and I know about God and I've heard about the things of God. I, I may be saved, but all of a sudden from, from afar there's this cry from Thessalonica, Hey, come, come join us. And we quickly forsake the God of heaven. Shame on us. Shame on me. And let us remember how terribly the appeal of the present world is, is it not? It's calling our name. Now, this is what's hard. We preach, you need to have heaven on your mind, but yet we live in this world. Our, our hands are busied and our hands are dirtied with the things of this world. Tomorrow or Tuesday, you've got to go back to work and you've got to get back in the grind. And, and it's so easy to get ourselves busied in the car world or in the house world or in the cooking world or in the babysitting world. And you just kind of get bombarded with the things of this world. But can I say, we still must keep ourselves heavenly minded because Thessalonica is calling our name. Someone said it this way, there cannot be two masters. I cannot serve God and I cannot serve this world. If my hands are laden with pebbles, I cannot clasp the diamonds that God offers me. Someone said it this way, unless you fling out the sandbags, the balloon will cleave to the earth. You say, I want to fly high for the things of the Lord. You know what ties that balloon down, that hot air balloon, those sandbags, that weight. If you're going to soar up towards the heaven, if you're going to soar in your walk and your relationship with God, we need to cast aside those sandbags of the world and toss them off and let's soar in 2023. So we see Demas, the forsaker. Number two, though, quickly, Luke the faithful physician. What does, it get, what does it say in our text then? Only Luke is with me. Now, the third gospel that we have is written by Luke. Luke was a doctor. And no doubt, if you read the life of Paul and you read about his testimony, especially in the, in the letter to the Corinthians, you'll find that the tragedies, the things that he faced, shipwrecked and beaten with rods and, and so forth, he needed a doctor alongside with him, <laughs> if, if you will. But we see this idea of Paul's companion. You know, I think God looks down and he has that desire to have us abide with him. Some of us live the Christian life as if we're on vacation. I'll get with God my one or two weeks out of the year, but the rest of the year, it's on me. We need to abide in Christ. If we want to bear fruit, it must not be a vacation lifestyle. It must be an abiding, a dwelling in Christ lifestyle. Never stray from the things of God. I'm so thankful for faithful people. Faithful people. I look out at some of you. You probably used to whoop me when I was a kid. I don't like you, but I'm still glad you're here. We had a special night on 
Friday night talking about Mr. Leslie and, and just being in his place. You know, the Bible says this, it is required in stewards, help me out, that a man be found. Here's the beauty of this. We can all be faithful. We can all be faithful. Aren't you thankful that 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9 says, God is faithful. Aren't you glad 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says this, if we confess our sins, he is, help me out, he is faithful. Aren't you thankful that when you go to God every single time, you can count on him? You know, I think it's good for us to determine this year, I'm going to be faithful. As Saturday night, teenagers, when you got the video games and the movies and, the, and your bus captain has come by your house about 2 o'clock on Saturday and you said, yep, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there, Mr. Edwards. I'll be there, uh, Mr. Wilcox. I'll be there, Mr. Kevin. I'll be there, Mr. Nate. And they go knock on that door about 8.15. And you know what happens? That door peeks open just a little bit. Is it already that time? I can't make it. You know what? You've lost out on being faithful. We can all be faithful. There's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. So thankful for that. Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness. But what's the question? But a faithful man, who can find? I don't know, about four months ago, we had a phone call at the church. And they asked for Mr. Eric. And there's only one Eric in the house. You can all be thankful for that. And I, I picked up the phone and I found out who it was. It was a kid I used to pick up from church about 20 years ago. And he said this, and it's kind of been ringing in my mind. He says, I'm so glad you're still at Fairhaven. I'm like, well, I mean, to whom shall I go? <laughs> no one else likes me. But, but just for him, and he wasn't super faithful, but just the fact that it would be good that people could just call and say, yep, they're still there. They're still just doing what they've always done. We need people like Luke that say, you know what, when everybody else is scattered, only Luke is with me. Let's be faithful. And number three, there's that man mentioned by the name of Mark. Paul says this about him. Bring Mark. For he is profitable to me for the ministry. We, we, we like these stories about these men. It would be horrible if Paul would have said about him, he is unprofitable to me for the ministry. But if you don't know a little bit about Mark's story, let me just give you a couple tidbits about Mark because there's a story from him in 2 Timothy chapter 4 where we find Paul and we see some other things happen in his life that you say, how did he go from there to being profitable? How did he get off to a bad start and now get off to a profitable start? I call him Mark the forgiven fellow worker. One man called him the restored runaway. Another one called him, I thought this was pretty discouraging, called him the famous quitter. Now can you imagine him up in heaven looking down as these men are writing about his life story and saying, please don't write that. No, no, no. I, I mean, I was bad, but I wasn't that bad. You know, the, here's the truth. People are going to remember you how they know you and what you've done, right? Um, you say the name David. Some are going to say giant killer. Some are going to say Bathsheba. You say Samson. Some are going to say strength. Some are going to say Delilah. You say um, Solomon. Some are going to say wealth. Some would say wisdom. Many of us are going to say 
women. All right, so, so, but, but we're to remember people for or how we knew them or how we remember them. And I remember, you know, again, I'm kind of telling on myself a little bit, but I remember I was in high school, I was the worldly kid. That's what I was known for. And that was not something that I was proud of. And I remember I said, I'm, I'm not going to be worldly. I'm going to work at this. I'm going to, I'm going to avoid being worldly. And when colored shirts became the thing and someone got up and said, colored shirts are worldly. I'm like, I'm only going white shirts because I'm going to be, not be worldly. And I remember kind of having this thing, but I guarantee, well, I can't guarantee. I can close the guarantee. If you talk to the person that turned me worldly all the time today, they would say worldly, worldly. And it's frustrating. And it's discouraging, if you will. And then others are called the good kids, and they're going to be so likely to succeed. And he says, if you only knew them. But aren't you glad that we have that word, as we already mentioned, forgiveness? I am so glad that at the very foundation, stay with me, at the very foundation of our salvation is that one word, forgiveness. Someone said it this way, if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness, so God sent us a Savior. That's what Christmas is all about. Sometimes I, I sit and I hear the messages preached on salvation. and People are struggling with their sin and struggling with their destiny. And I'm like, all you've got to do is go to God and ask Him forgiveness. He's ready to forgive. So Mark, His name. Look at, turn to Acts chapter 12 real fast. We'll buzz through this. I promise. I'm halfway through my notes, but we will not be labored. Acts chapter 12. So we come to this man, he's called Mark. But we'll see in chapter 12, verse 12, a little more about him. And when he had considered the thing, this is Peter, who had just been released from prison. The angel released him, and he had considered the thing. He came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. It was common back in this era for the Jews of the period to have a Jewish name as well as a what we'd call maybe a Greco-Roman name. And so John would have been his Hebrew name and uh, Mark would have been his Greco-Roman name, if you will. So I think it's safe to say, enough people have studied, we have this character listed by Paul as John Mark. That was his name. His religious background, again, verse number 12, and when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John. So it seems to indicate that John's home was a place of religious activity. Just in chapter 12 earlier, we find that the apostle James had just been beheaded. So there was great persecution going on in the church. Yet Mary had enough strength, stability in her to, in the face of persecution, gather the church folks together and still pray. John Mark must have noticed and said, hey, there's something about this God. He probably was familiar with Peter. Peter coming and maybe telling about stories of what happened in life and ministry of Christ. His uncle's name, you might not know this, his uncle's name was Barnabas. 
All right, if you know Barnabas, in Acts chapter 4, I believe, when the church was kind of growing, everybody was selling the possessions, bringing them to the church, kind of supporting the church. Barnabas specifically is listed as one that was doing this type of thing. So he has what I would say a great heritage, if you will. He's got some good things going for him. So he was exposed to religion. He was exposed to prayer. He was exposed to the work of ministry. Very likely, he actually was led to the Lord by Peter. Don't turn there. First Peter chapter 5, verse 13. The church that is at Babylon, elected together with you, saluted you, and so doth Marcus, my son. Many indicate that's probably the same character, John Mark. So uh, he had potential. Acts chapter 12, you're there, look at verse number 25. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry and took with them John, whose surname was Mark. So here are two godly men that have been called out by the church to say they're going to go to do mission work. And they said, hey, let's look around. Let's pick a young person. Let's pick John Mark. Now, can I stop just for a moment? If you've been here any length of time or if you're a good church where you're at because we have this we have great potential we have great potential i am shamed how i treat this book at times just being honest with you shamed and i'm glad brother barker preached the message he did the other night because it was challenging to me we need this and but we've been around it so much, we've forgotten that the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. We've forgotten that it is the law and it's the lamp and it's the thing we ought to be meditating on. But I tell you what, I, you know, I've done this before. I've gone this route and we get away from the power of the gospel. We get away from the Word of God. John Mark had it all. He knew it all. He was exposed to prayer. He was exposed to religion. He was chosen to be with godly men. Most likely, this man penned the Gospel of Mark. He got to write his own letter, if you will, Matthew and Mark. His actions sparked problems. Turn to Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15. So he begins to travel with Paul and Barnabas, he leaves them, he departs from them, the Bible says, in Acts chapter 13. But chapter 15, some days after, Paul said unto Barnabas, let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. And Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark, but Paul thought not good to take with him with them, who departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other. Can I say this? What our testimony and our actions are can really cause division within our own church. Be careful how we live. Be careful what we do. Be careful how we act. So that's the man himself. Now, I, here, here's the problem. We can look and say, well, Paul or, or John Mark was a quitter. And our minds start spinning. Why? And it's funny because we really don't know why he left. But I read page after page of people that speculated about why he left. They said he was homesick, it got hard, he was half-hearted. And I'm sitting there thinking, that's not really fair. And some of you guys have been there, you got in trouble, and the rest of the church is like, ha, 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 ha. Yeah, that white, I'm sure. Like he got in trouble for, you know, he, he didn't do his homework three times, so he got in trouble. But I know he was probably smoking weed. 
Not, not really. All right? So take that off the, the, the live stream there. But, but what happens is we get this speculation in our mind. We really don't know why Mark departed from them. And, and, and people have done a lot more study than I have. And they, they give all these, uh, these ideas. Maybe he was hurt, they said. You know, Barnabas, his uncle, uh, was, was the, the guy in charge. And somewhere in the middle of the journey, it shifted. And now it was Saul first. And I'm like, that's not fair. That's not what I planned on. And, you know, the church would, you know, if the church was doing this, I'd be all in. But since the church has chosen a different direction, I guess I'm going to go elsewhere. You, you see how it is? And we speculate about things. And that's kind of what I see about John Mark. Now I'm going to go to this text. All right, go to Mark 14. And we're just about done. Um, this was interesting. It's the only time in the scriptures we have this event, and I'm going to speculate. Okay? I'm going to speculate. Mark chapter 14, verse 50. Jesus is in the garden. He's on trial. He's being led to be tried. Verse 50, and they all, speaking of the disciples, forsook him and fled. And then there's kind of an odd text. And I'm not going to go through all of the verses and and things that I have. But verse 51. And there followed him a certain young man, having a linen cloth cast about his naked body. And the young men laid hold on him, and he left the linen cloth and fled from them naked. End of story. I'm like, that's kind of a weird story right in the middle of this. And I started reading about this because it is in Mark's gospel. And you know who, who most people say it is? John Mark. We don't really know. Now, when you read the Gospel of John, John does not list his name very often. He'll say, the disciple whom Jesus loved. So people have said, that's got to be John Mark. So we're just going to speculate and say, he has a pattern, he's developed a pattern of starting something and quitting. With Paul and Barnabas. And here, it seems to be that the neighborhood was roused because of the activity of Jesus. And he jumps up, kind of gathered his linen cloth about him. And he falls along and he's tried to get, tried, uh, they try to grab him and he runs away. And so he's quick out of bed. He's quick to get back in bed. But he's a quitter. That's speculation. But I guess I just want to encourage you by this. Go back to chapter 4, verse number 11. There is restoration. Amen. He was unprofitable for a time, but somewhere, and I don't know the time, it could have been a year, some have suggested up to 20 years, but somewhere in the time when John Mark departed, and when he had that wavering heart, if you will, he got to the point to say, I'm just going to get right, I'm just going to do what I'm supposed to do, and I'm going to decide to live for the Lord, because Paul said this, Bring Mark, for he is, what's the word? Profitable to me for the ministry. Mark ran from the ministry, but at some time, at some point, he said, I want to be profitable. And can I say this? By God's grace and with God's help, this year determined you're going to have a heart that's decided to live for Christ. Now, some people will change when they see the light. Others change only when they feel the heat. Let this book change your life. 
And as Josh said, you know what? You just got to spend time in it. You just got to dig in it. You got you to love this book. Oh, how I love my law. It is my meditation all the day. Just this morning, I was reading the treasury of David. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Period. And that's where we say, you know what? Stay away from him and don't be around them. Don't do this. The, the blessing is twofold. You've got to not do those things, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. It's a twofold part. We focus on stay away from him and don't be with them and don't do this. Sad to say, that's what I've done as a parent sometimes. But man, we got to dig into this. Dig into this. New Year's Day, 1929. Georgia Tech was playing the University of California. We're in bowl season, so I figured this would be fitting. They were playing the University of California in the Rose Bowl almost 100 years ago. It would be 94 years ago. In that game, a man named Roy Regals recovered a fumble for California. Somehow he became confused and started running 65 yards in the wrong direction. One of his teammates, Benny Lam, outdistanced him and downed him just before he scored for the opposing team. That strange play came in the first half and everyone who was watching the game was asking the same question. What will Coach Nibs Price do with Roy Regals in the second half? The men filed off the field and went to the dressing room. They sat down on the benches and on the floor, all but Regals. He put his blanket, towel around his shoulders, sat down in the corner, put his face in his hands and cried like a baby. If you have played football, you know that a coach usually has a great deal to say to his team during, half, during halftime. That day, Coach Price was quiet. No doubt he was decide, trying to decide what to do with right Regals. Then the timekeeper came in and announced they were three minutes before playing time. Coach looked at the team and said, simply, men, the same team that played the first half will start the second. The players got up and started all out, all but Regals. He didn't budge. The coach looked back and called him again. Still, he didn't move. Coach Price went over to where he was and said, Roy, you didn't hear, didn't you hear me? The same team that played the first half will start the second. Then Roy Regals looked up. His cheeks were wet with strong man's tears. Coach, I can't do it to save my life. I've ruined you. I've ruined the University of California. I've ruined myself. I could not face that crowd in the stadium to save my life. Then Coach reached out, put his hand on his shoulder and said to him, Roy, get up and go on back. The game is only half over. And Roy went back and those Georgia Tech men said they've never seen a man play football as Roy played that second half. I have no idea where you are spiritually, 2022, 2021. I don't know how far away from God. Can I say, it's not over. It's not over. You might have just this year. There might be some demises that will walk away from us in 2023. There might be. We need some Luke's. I'll be faithful. Just, I'll, I'll be there. Count me in. But maybe you're a mark. And you can be forgiven. And you can get up and become profitable to God for the ministry. I, I'm burdened for our young people. Some have gone through things. I don't know what they've gone through. It's not my business. But I see sometimes they get burdened down with the trials and the troubles and the difficulties. Maybe the poor choices, even the sin. But can I just urge you, get back up. Keep on going. Keep on going. God will. Others may not forgive, but I promise you, God will. There's another chapter to your life. A new beginning. Lord, use this, I ask, I trust, as you've 
encouraged my heart with this. I, I look back, and there were some times this year was really tough for, for me, and I remember not really wanting to go on. And some that I know have heavy hearts. They've had a rough year. And, and it's easy to think God has left us hanging. Maybe we've made poor choices. Maybe we've gotten away from your word. But my encouragement today is to get back up and get back on the field and get back serving God. We need some that are profitable to me, to the man of God, for the ministry. Would you use that? Heads or bowed.